You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Getting your children to accept anything more than a single food group can be enough to break any parent. Or maybe I should say to break me, because that's my experience with my daughter. And I've definitely never envied the early educators across the country who are tasked with feeding our preschoolers while we're at work. Although I am glad that I can palm it off to somebody else. Paisley Park Early Learning Centres have entered the battlefield of kids' cuisine with a brand new healthy eating program being rolled out across their centres. They even have their own secret weapon at the helm in the form of celebrity chef Miguel Maestre. You have to say, he's not so secret, but he is a weapon. Uh, And we have today in the studio Kat Vitorek-Gisso, the co-founder of Paisley Park Early Learning Centre, and of course the culinary wizard himself, Miguel Maestre. They're joining me this morning to shed some light on the project. Good morning to you both. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. So Kat, if I can start with you, uh, most uh, preschools, I know when I take my son to his care centre, they might have a plate of toast waiting for him. I've got to say, they do a fabulous lunch. But for them, um, they're an inner city childcare centre. I don't know that they have access to a a garden. This project you're rolling out is pretty big. What inspired you to do it? My inspiration comes from, I suppose, my own children. I have two children. um, And and when they were growing up, I was always really interested in, you know, what are they going to eat? There's a lot out there about don't try this, do this. Um, And I always thought, you know, with healthy eating, surely they should be exposed to a variety of different flavours. So I did what probably most parents don't do. I actually made them eat different things, made them try different, you know, textures, different flavours, different vegetables. You know, the children do the whole, it's green, I don't like it, or I won't eat anything that's, you know, that's crispy, or I don't like the, the sound. It's not of, white, or, really. Well, if it's not white. <laughs> it's or, not white and soft. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And, and being an early childhood professional for the last 20 years has made me really look deep at what's going on in children's services and in my experience it's always been one of these contentious issues do you don't you there are budgetary kind of constraints around that so for for Peter and I we've been very interested in rolling out something in services that inspires not only children to be you know experimenting with different ingredients and meals but also their parents to see that yes the children can eat all those things that they perhaps didn't think they could like Brussels sprouts oh my goodness Brussels sprouts Miguel you have two kids as well they're similar ages to mine I believe did you say that Claudia is five years old she'll say no papa I'm five and a half. Oh, five and a half. Okay, so she's get it right. She's heading out there. I understand that you cook one meal for your family. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so I cook several. How on earth did you manage to get them to that point? Or there was never any difference? Well, it's not learning care. Nobody teach you how to be a good parent when it comes to cooking. I think it's, uh, I still struggle every day as the huge challenge of cooking for your family. It's a challenge. But I guess all become to make him part of what you do. So with Morgan, my little boy Morgan is two and a half. He'll have anchovies. He'll try a really nice spicy sweet chili sauce. He'll maybe, when he was really little, I'll get his finger and I'll dip it in a curry. And I'll say to Sasa, what are you doing? My wife will say, what are you doing? And he'll get really, you know, scared because, you know, he'll be a new flavor. But the other thing is a learning care like everything else. It's like learning how to ride a bike. So you got a bike, you don't get a motorbike and give it to your children. You get a little bike with a little wheels and slowly they feel confident and slowly they go to the wheels off and slowly they got a bigger bike and suddenly they're 18 and they're driving a Kawasaki, a thousand cc's. <laughs> and I believe it's, it's making them part of the whole process. And, yep, you know, right. trying to be smart. I, I, I failed many times. 
not just as a chef, just as a parent of cooking something nice, but every I succeed every time I make them part of the process. I succeed with amazing results. So Brussels sprouts, if I can get, uh, chop them all really fine and put them inside a quesadilla, and I can get my children to fold the quesadilla and they think they were part of the cooking, they will smash a whole quesadilla and they go Brussels sprouts inside. <laughs> How you can even think that of Tricky. it? So yeah. you need to be smart as a parent. You need to be persistent. And you just need to be, just get them, make them a part of it. This is like, once they feel a part of it, they'll embrace it. When a child rejects a food, particularly when you're in a early learning setting when you might have, I don't know, 10 children to feed, what do you do then? Children are social beings. And in our centres, we provide an environment where they actually eat in a communal way. So we have designated dining spaces where children are actually part of setting up the entire routine. So they'll go get the crockery and the cutlery. They'll smell all the things that are going on in the kitchen. They'll actually be part of picking the veggies or the herbs from the garden that's been used in the kitchen. They're actually part of the whole thing. So they're smelling it, experiencing the meal routine. By the time they sit down, even if they kind of look at it, looks a bit weird looks a bit they look over to their friend who's actually trying it and oh great reluctance but I'll have a go and and because it's a social experience and the educators are sitting with them and they're talking positively about what's happening about what they're eating and the flavors they do it initially just to kind of see what happens and then away you go the process starts and then they their palates get opened up with all those different textures and flavors next thing you know they're eating you know things like squid or avocado or sushi one of the most exciting things with our children is goslemi that is that has you know spinach in there and has lamb that's been marinated. All these flavors, you think there's no way my child's going to eat. Marinate a bit of lamb, put in the goslemi, put some spinach, put a bit of cauliflower and broccoli, put it beautifully in, in a you know in a little shallow frying pan. Chop it up. It looks a bit like a pizza. It's very crunchy. Next thing you know, they're eating the ingredients you never thought they would. And Miguel, um, I know that part of your idea with this as well, Kat, is to move it into the home. And Miguel, I'm with your two. Um, I'm just curious because I, there have been times when we've been sitting at the table. My daughter's name's Darcy. My son's name's Arlo. Darcy is the one that doesn't eat anything. Arlo eats everything. And I have noticed that Arlo will look at Darcy when she's like, oh, I'm not touching that. And he'll be like, She's not eating that. I'm not eating that. I mean, I can understand how it works in preschool, but how do you translate that kind of communal eating to a family environment? I'm happy to answer that because that happens to me every night when I go home. <laughs> and I can tell you a really good answer. I guess we all sit down in the table together. I guess about, you just have to cook the right things. I think you just need to make the right choices. And it all comes down to really simple things, like cooking something in season. Like... Yesterday I make a dinner at home. Sweet potatoes at the peak of the season. They're so sweet and they're mussy. Use chop a sweet potato, put it in the oven. It's sweet, but it's really nutritious. Put a pinch of paprika. You hiding it in there and you get them excited about something smoky. And I cook a piece of salmon crispy skin. We all have the same. We all sit down in the table. Morgan will say, oh, no, I want the other chippies. What chippies are these ones? Claudia is already eating it. The salmon is fatty. The salmon is crispy. Sadly, Claudia is eating it. Mommy is eating it. I'm eating it. And it's the same principle. It's just yeah. Morgan is not going to feel left out. He's eating it. Morgan is smashed a whole 150 grand salmon of filling. <laughs> My little boy is doing a half. And I cannot believe where he put all that food with his little belly. <laughs> it's just... It's about the social, uh, social uh, so Spanish being social yeah. and the table, such an important thing that we're losing. 
People don't sit in a table. Everybody have a sandwich everywhere. Quickly, a ham and cheese sandwich, a peanut butter sandwich, a this sandwich, mm -hmm. a that sandwich. And we don't sit down in the table. It's just so important. And yeah. for us, I think the solution, I know we don't have time for anything in life. We don't have time for anything. We have time for shellac, a nice bed time, <laughs> buy really nice clothes. Oh, we have dinner. We have no time. <laughs> But we, it's probably the most important thing of the whole day. Absolutely. So being sitting together is very important. And it's something simple. You know, I'd like to add something. When we're in the centers, this project blows my mind away. I'm sitting down with... Uh, four little creatures they're like three or four years old I'm sitting in a little chair because we sit down in the centers it's amazing everybody sit down together I'm sitting down in this little chair I'm having a paella paella's got chorizo paprika saffron garlic paella like the same way I cook it from in my home I cook it in the center I put it in the center in the table and everybody start helping themselves with the spoon without 20 minutes I'm just trying to think about what's happening I'm sitting down with uh, April with Owen, with all these little beautiful little kids. They're eating this amazing... Right. They're eating a bloody paella. Sorry, I'm not sweating. I cannot believe it. Yeah. Sitting down there thinking, what's going on in here? Yeah. And it's just amazing. They will probably go for the easy uh, plastic play with the peanut butter toast, but that's what they're used to, and that's what's easy for us. That's the key. That's what is easy for us. And that's easy to make a line and say, this is adult food and this is children's food. Yeah. That line needs to go. Food should be a beautiful thing that we embrace. And sitting down having a paella with chorizo and saffron for all these little human beings is, is one of the wake-up calls for me. I don't know as a parent, but just as a chef, this is one of the most exciting projects. This is like the toughest yeah. critics in the world. Forget our master chef. <laughs> this is the... That's this exactly tell you exactly what they feel every time. And... Yeah. I'm very excited. It's just brilliant. You're listening to Kindling Conversation, and I'm speaking with Miguel Maestre and Kat Vicharagiso uh, from the Paisley Park Early Learning Centres. We're talking about a new project they have. They're rolling it out throughout their uh, early learning centres. It's about eating um, food, good food, food that we can all eat as a family. And... Um, Kat, I'm just thinking when we often talk about food for children, especially when they're fussy eaters, people come up with the idea that you have to present one food to them 20 times or however many before they will accept or reject it. It feels like this program is kind of looking beyond that and is looking at making food exciting regardless of the ingredients. Is that? Am I getting the right take yeah, on that? Absolutely. I mean, for us at Paisley Park, it's starting children very, very young. So we'll have children in high chairs that are experimenting with different ingredients because we don't make different meals for them. Aside from needing to puree different foods, they're still getting exposed to all those different tastes, flavours and, and all those textures. But they're part of seeing how food is actually grown. So they're getting a really good insight that, yes, you can go and buy something, canned tomatoes, but we have tomatoes that are growing outside. So these little people go out and they're actually part of the growing process. They bring it back to the kitchen and they're involved in the cooking. So the ingredients that are available to them are limitless. So it's really about the experimentation with food and the long-term good eating habits. We have parents all the time saying, Oh, my child won't eat that. We guess they will. And they're absolutely blown away every time. They say, I cannot believe that my child eats that. Or my child will only eat Jason's spaghetti bolognese. Well, I've made spaghetti bolognese a thousand times. What do you put in yours? 
vegetables we put in ours. We put everything that's really freshly grown. We don't, you know, throw in the things that we think they're going to eat. We just put in what we know is important. And that's what's exposing them. So I think going off on what Miguel was saying as well is sometimes parents say, oh, oh I've got to hide the ingredient. We, we don't necessarily hide it, but we don't make, we don't stick a whole big Brussels sprout smack in the middle. <laughs> so, well, we do, but it's, it's really, so you know when children go, it's green. We go, yeah, it's green, it's red, it's purple, it's whatever, whatever it is, but it's long-term. It's setting up for good eating habits long-term. So they're making better choices because they're I mean, part of it. And I just should um, just say, is Jason your chef, your cook? Your yes, first, yes. Uh, Jason is our head chef, yeah. uh, absolutely. I love that you've got a head chef at a preschool. It's awesome. Um, so one of the things about Spice, and, and you know, my child won't eat, I have definitely been guilty of when our children were very young. My husband loves chili. His background's Italian. And he would talk about giving the kids chili when they were small. And I'd be like, don't be ridiculous. They can't eat that. And then he'd say, oh, but you know... Indian families give their kids lots of spices and I'd say, well, Indian mothers were eating it when their baby was in the womb. My children weren't used to it. Gave me reflux. Um, is there... <laughs> you know, I had that conversation this morning with Amanda Keller yeah. in the radio. They say all the moms in the world say the same. We go to the same thing. We Indian people, it, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's brilliant. It's a lot of it. And you don't see there's any difference, do, they? do you, Miguel? Like It's just something that you uh, expose children to... Whenever. But is I come back to the first example. My wife will be in uh, having tapas in Spain. My wife Shasha is quite open-minded. is Australian. My wife will not eat a, a, a anchovy on top of a little piece of bread because my wife has never been into that hole. Your husband is Italian. You go with anchovies, capers, salty stuff, the prosciutto, mm. the jamón. Sasa will not go close to that. And I say, don't give that to Morgan. He will not like it. Morgan will smash four or five anchovies like that. Yeah. And he'll have his whole mouth full of anchovies. And you're thinking, <laughs> what is going on? And it's all about getting used to it. We don't know anything when we're born. Come on. Like, we just go into the easy, just the easy choice to say, we, my children will not eat that. But, yeah. you know, I normally, instead to say that, when we're having a meal that is quite strange, I think, my wife will not eat that. <laughs> because Claudia Morgan will eat it. Right. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it is interesting, too, that we rarely provide opportunities for children of, of things that we don't like. So if we don't like fish, we don't give them fish. If we don't, and it's actually about exposing them to things outside of our own palates because you're, you're, you're limiting what your children are going to be able to have long term. So quite often parents will say, well, look, I, I don't really eat that or I don't, they probably won't eat that. It's okay. So it may not be your palate, but is it your child's palate? And they're so surprised that they'll eat things like fresh salmon and avocado rolled up in a, in a sushi roll, even if the parent won't touch it. They actually are humbled by the fact that their children are eating the things that they wouldn't even touch. So it's it's for us, it's a long term commitment and it's education for everyone. Before I leave you, um, I just wanted to ask: you also have an approach when it comes to cutlery and the way we let our children eat food. Miguel, why is it important to let our kids get their hands on a real knife and fork? Because if we make an special like a plastic cup, we cannot not trust in them from the beginning of being in a social environment. We, we're not giving them that confidence. That's a huge thing. Don't give a little child confidence in something. It's amazing. In our centers, the glasses don't break. The kids get the little fork and knife. It's not like we're giving them, giving them the sharpest sashimi knife in the world to cut the fish. <laughs> you know, it's, it's within the reasons of the range of different ages that we got in the centers. It's different abilities the, the, the children can use. But this just a simple pair of tongs and a big spoon. 
coming back to the Bahia thing, it's just brilliant. You see little, this little thing with this big spoon, like April is just holding the spoon and serving the little boy next to her. That's, what is that all about? <laughs> and because we don't trust. Oh, the glass is going to break. Oh, the knife, they don't need a knife. Let's cut it in very small pieces so the sausage is so small yeah. that they don't even can see on the plate. We just don't give that trust. And they do what they see. It's Correct. amazing. They're just like sponges. So it's important It's important to, to just teach them. It's all about just teaching them because we won't have to be careful how stressful it is to go home and you have to do everything twice as a mom. The plastic cup, the little plastic plate from Nima, the other paper, big plastic plate, everything is plastic. Why are we going to just have three plates on the table and three glasses? Yeah. Why? why? Why is that? Oh, is it Morgan is going to throw it like that and break it? No, they're done. They're done. We just, it's, I think the problem is not the children. The problem is us. It's yeah, in us. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd agree with you there, Miguel. And in our services, we find that, you know, if anything ever breaks, it's usually an adult in the staff room at lunchtime. And you're right, children need to, to have our trust. They need to have us providing really good models of how to use that cutlery. And parents need to do that at home as well. If it's a heavy plate, we say, take care. If it's a glass jug, be careful. Do you need some help? We role model, but we don't go, oh my God, oh my God, you're going to drop it. Oh my God. And you know what? If they do drop it, they are, oops, it's broken. Okay, let's step away. Let's let's be part of the cleanup process. Let's get the broom and the whatever. The children are not picking up broken glass, but they're seeing the consequence. It's fallen, it's chipped, let's fix it and, and move on and get the next plate. So it's it's really making the mealtime authentic and real, like you would have in any other in a restaurant that you go to. They don't serve, you know, you as an adult plastic you know, crockery because they think you're going to break it. You know, <laughs> and maybe you do, but you know, with children, they're very, uh, they absolutely can be trusted to do those it's things. So, when you go to your friend's place and they give you the really expensive wine glasses <laughs> and you're drinking really stressed, thinking, oh my God, these are like the $65 riddle glasses, and you're like, it's really like this and really holding it like that, really scared to put it anywhere. <laughs> well, um, guys, it's been really exciting talking to you. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about this project. Very exciting. Lovely. Thanks, very Thanks much. for having us. That was Kat Vitorek Gisso and TV chef Miguel Maestre and they're collaborating on the Paisley Park Early Learning Centre's latest endeavour. It's encouraging healthy eating habits in their centres and at home. For more information on the program and tips from Miguel on cooking one meal for everyone, which is, of course, the dream, head along to our website. Just go to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.